0: This is Marie McCool, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk.
1: Right off the bat,
0: there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills.
1: Driver driving, driving hard up. down the alley and he scores!
0: What a goal from
1: Josh Bird! Kayla Trainer yeah. fires to score. You kidding me? By Dylan Ward gets top side round. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network, your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson.
2: What's up, Pro Lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm joined As always, by my co-host, Adam Moore, and I and myself, Hutton Jackson. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. We are now recapping week five of the PLL. And Adam, we're we're more than halfway through this season. Um, Only two more weeks in the regular season left. We have the all-star break coming up here before we get into some more regular season lacrosse. But uh, getting down to the wire here and uh, a lot of shakeup in the standings. But any takeaways, Adam, first off, from this weekend before we kind of dive into these recaps?
3: Yeah, when we did our preview pod of uh, week five. Yeah, you know, when we did our our previews of week five and and I gave my picks, you know, I might not have done that well in picks. But uh, my reasoning behind making a lot of those picks was to make the standings as murky as possible and AKA, as exciting as possible heading down uh, to the wire. And I got my wish, just not by my picks. So uh, it's going to be a wild ride these last two weeks after the All-Star break.
2: Yeah, well, you did get your water dogs sitting yeah. at number two in the standings uh, with a positive seven goal differential, which was big for them. They had a, a two big wins in this game, which we'll get to the first one in a little bit. But overall, yeah, no team was able to clinch a playoff spot. We could have actually seen five teams clinch a playoff spot this weekend had the Cannons lost. They get that. St- huge victory over the archers, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Um, but overall, again, the parody in this league is still alive and well. Um, you saw a team that went three and zero to start the season. The archers now at three and three, the Redwoods are sitting at the top of the standings, um, which is important for them because they have a tough stretch ahead, still playing the archers whips and then chaos to finish out the season. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I mean, the, the parody in this league is amazing. I, I was talking with you before and I just, I can't, predict really which team is going to be on the outside looking in right now. You know, we thought maybe it might be the cannons, uh, especially after this Friday matchup, which we'll get to. Um, But, you know, they obviously had a big win against the archers that we're going to talk about. And that kind of kept their playoff hopes alive, as well as preventing every other team from clinching uh, in this week. So we'll get some clinching scenarios in this Colorado Springs week but no teams have clinched before the All Star break, which I think is great because it's going to make every game you know that much more important. But let's start off with this Water Dogs Cannons game. Um, a lot of us thought it was going to be closer than it actually was. Cannons actually entered as one and a half point favorites in this game. Water Dogs entered as underdogs. They're underdogs the entire weekend, and uh, you know they they like winning as the underdogs. But what did you see from this Water Dogs team and their dominant win over the Cannons on Friday night?
3: Yeah, big one, obviously, starting off with Zach Courier had a ridiculous stat line of six ground balls, a goal assist, and a cost turnover. So he's an absolute monster on defense, on offense, just a total package. I mentioned I was waiting for that Dylan Ward performance Coming into this week, he had a really strong performance going over 60% in both games, uh, 63% on 10 saves. And uh, Jake Withers had a massive game as well, um, 20 for 26 at the stripe. So they basically uh, got the production they needed from every facet of the game. It was an 8-2 first quarter for them, um, and it was just downhill uh, for the cannons from there.
2: Yeah, no, and obviously huge. Uh, this nineteen to seven win actually gave them a, a positive goal differential. Yeah. Um, you know they went up plus one, and then they would have finished the weekend plus seven, um, which is why they're sitting at second in the standings now. The standings go off of wins, not win percentage. They actually have you know three losses compared to the two teams that they're ahead of in the Whips and Atlas. Um, but at the end of the season, it won't actually matter because all the teams will have played the same amount of games in nine games. So um, the standings, you know, a little wonky right now because they are sitting at you know second place despite. You know, having three losses compared to the Whips and Atlas, too. But again, that goes by score differential, um, which right now they're sitting at, you know, plus seven, which is pretty solid for those top four teams in this league. Um, Yeah. And, you know, credit also. Uh, Ryan Brown had a big day but like this offense in general got a lot of production out of a lot of different players um Kieran McCardle was three had three goals and an assist Ethan Walker you know he's been having a, a great year as a, as a rookie with a one goal and three assists um, and 10 players recorded at least one point in this game so I, you know going into the season we talked about the weapons that the Waterdogs have on offense um, it took them a little while to get going we we thought we saw you know what this Water Dogs offense was going to be in that week two, where they had back to back games. Um, you know, very similar to this weekend, where they had back to back games and just simply dominated. Um, so they're a little hot and cold as the season goes along. I think this might be the team that's here to stay, though, just based on you know their performance. Again, they beat the cannons and the Chrome. So we're gonna have to wait and see how they do against some tougher tougher competition coming up. Um, but only two more games left in the season. Um, you know that. They're sitting in a good spot right now with that goal differential, but it's still anyone's season right now. So, um, you know, as we mentioned, no team has clinched a playoff spot just yet. Um, but what did you kind of see from the cannons? You know, really, they weren't really in this game a- at all. You know, they went down 8-2 in the first quarter. Uh, Coach Work put in Jacob Stover after he pulled Nick Morocco. Um, Stover just wasn't the spark that they needed. They would end up going back to Morocco later in the game. But, you know, they, they just – completely got outmatched on, you know, pretty much all facets. You mentioned Jake Weathers, 20 for 26 at the stripe. Um, this was, you know, Kevin Reisman's first game uh, as the starter for the Cannons with the Cannons, uh, this new Cannons lacrosse club team. Um, and, you know, really didn't look too good. Uh, he had to kind of get his feet under him, I think, because he ended up, you know, bouncing back in that second game. But overall, just not a great showing from the Cannons. And it looked like they were kind of dead in the water. Looking back
3: before the game, if you told me Lyle, Andrew Q and Paul Rabel, all three of them didn't record a point in this game, i probably lean towards the dogs, right? They, they just weren't clicking on offense in this one. Shane Jackson ha- had a, a great uh, game in his second week back in action. Um, so, I mean, the, the pieces are there. We, we've seen it happen before. And obviously later in the weekend, uh, they showed uh, their potential. So um, it's definitely there, but, you know, they have not much room for error uh, going forward um, with where they stand in the standings.
2: No, absolutely. And again, the, the face-off, I think, is still a big question mark. Um, You know, I, I, again, Reisman did re- really well on that Sunday matchup. I don't know if my um, qualms with the face-off unit have gone away yet, though. You know, I think that still is their Achilles heel. Um, You know, and, and I think that, you know, could be something that we still have to watch out for as, as, as they move along. Let's move on to our Saturday matchup between the Redwoods and the Whip Snakes. Obviously, this was a big rivalry game, but the Redwoods had lost four of their last games to the Whip Snakes, um, Obviously, you know, they lost in the playoffs last year in overtime. They lost in the regular season in that championship series as well. Obviously, everyone knows that heartbreaker they lost in the championship. So they came in, you know, really hungry for a win um, and they get it, you know, and honestly, they went down one nothing to start. But once they tied it up, they really kind of never looked back. And uh, I think, you know, they kind of dominated in all facets, both, you know, face-off, defense, the offense looks as good as it has been. I'm in that two-two set. So let's hear from Coach Nat on this big win by the Redwoods.
3: There, there shouldn't be any pressure on us. You know, they're they're the champs. They're great. We can't make this game bigger than it is. Anytime you can win and compete in this league, that's a huge game. So we really focused on just one and zero. It didn't matter who the opponent is. That's been our message all year long. Just just try to go one and zero our emotions a little higher. Sure. You know, it's woods versus whips, Um, but you know, we, we have so much respect for that team and that coaching staff. And we know that they respect us as well. You know, it's a fun game. It's always good to win. Um, But yeah, we approached it as
2: best we could like any other game. So obviously coach Nat reiterated that this team didn't want to make the game any bigger than it needed to be uh, treated it as any other game. Um, But it's got to feel pretty good to get a win against the the rival whip snakes. Um, Despite them, you know, having some injuries uh, both with Earhart and Rambo out, and then Matt Abbott was also out, not due to injury. But um, let's hear from Coach Staggs on the absence of his leaders and why he thinks, you know, the whips are still in good spot but just need to get healthy.
4: Uh, you know, we've already talked about it. I mean, it's an opportunity to get healthy, um, to kind of refocus, uh, to come back and, you know, be prepared for, you know, for a competitive stretch run. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys out there today that were out in new positions for the first time. And uh, it was a great learning experience for them. Um, we're also missing some really talented guys too, and you know that gives these guys an opportunity. It'll make us better down the stretch. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's just a couple things we we need to do better. And I think it starts with we had to shoot the ball better. Uh, we had some opportunities today. I, I thought, and I didn't think we played bad offense. I just didn't think we finished the opportunities when we had them. And uh, you know, Timmy Troutner deserves some credit for that. Um, but you know, we also gotta you know, we gotta we gotta take advantage of those opportunities when we have them. You know, we got a lot to look at. There, there's there's a lot of opportunity now to to look at film, um, you know, to evaluate kind of, you know, how we're how we're playing and, and and how we're executing. And it's a good opportunity for them to look at it and spend some time with, you know, kind of with us in in a non-prep, you know, position or situation. Uh, and again, I I don't know that, you know anything helps us more than kind of getting healthy and, and getting back to our lineup, honestly. I mean, that's uh, – we can say as much as we want that there's, you know, next man standing up, but we're uh, we're missing some really talented guys who, you know, who make a difference for us um, in, in, in all aspects of our game and they're leaders and they're veterans.
2: And, you know, veterans win you games in this league. So you heard Coach Stagnita obviously – you know, the injury bug has not been kind to them recently. They still have a lot of weapons on this team, but overall, what did you see from this game, Adam? That um, you know, what or some positive, I guess, from both teams, both the Redwoods in their win and also the Whips despite the loss.
3: I mean, if you want to look at something, the the faceoff uh, stripe was was pretty even between TD and Nards. That's that bodes well um, for for both squads. Obviously, Nards is arguably the best in the world, and. Uh, it looks like TD's right up there with them. Um, won 13 of 24 and was winning a lot of them cleanly. So uh, that bodes well going forward um, for this Redwoods squad. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really good game for them. Jules uh, continuing uh, to be dominant, had four points on the, on the day. And Matt Cavanaugh had four as well, along with Rob so that And they got uh, uh, a vintage Kyle Harrison goal as well against the Swift squad. So uh, it was a good day overall for this Redwood squad.
2: Yeah, those vintage Kyle Harrison goals are less rare each week. I feel like we've had one. I feel like the past three weeks. Um, so he continues even despite being you know more of a role player on this team. He continues to to put some goals in the the back of the net. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the 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 Woods at the faceoff was a big thing for them. Obviously, they neutralized Nardella. The wing wing play by the Woods was pretty key as well. Um, you know, give credit to Nardella too. I think TD probably won the majority of those clamps, but he was still battling at the stripe and he's one of the best to battle even after losing the clamp. Um, so again, that matchup between those two was as advertised um, and Troutner played like an all- all-star in this game too. I know I-, I felt like maybe he shouldn't have been a starter in the all-star game, uh, but he certainly, you know, proved myself and other doubters wrong. You know, having a-, a big game after, you know, what was a, a kind of a throwaway game in previous weeks. So um, good for him. And again, Jules Henningberg kind of just doing it all, all over the field. He can beat you on the dodge. But I think where his he's been really made his impact is, you know, drawing to and moving the ball. You know, he had a nice assist to Miles Jones. He had another, you know, assist opportunity to Matt Cavanaugh that just barely missed. Um, so he's just playing, you know, with his head up and drawing, drawing that two slide and just moving the ball really, really well. And, you know, finding people on the finish. So, um, you know, a lot of credit to him. He was not named an all-star. I know some people were kind of scratching their head. I think what hurt him is I think he's still listed as an attackman. Um, And we'll get to our all-star ballots a little bit later, but uh, he's certainly playing like an all-star and this Redwoods team has really delivered. I, again, their schedule has not been kind to them Um, and they have delivered in these games and they get a big one and credit again to, you know, Eddie Glazner, and Epple on defense, you know, Apple neutralized Zed, who only had one assist and zero goals on eight shots on the day. And Glazner blocked several shots. Um, and overall, the, this unit just looked really, really solid, you know, after giving up uh, 17 goals in the previous week. So it, it was, I think, big for them to, to come out, you know, against a Whips team that has a lot of weapons too. So um, they get that big win. I think the Whips are still one of the top teams in the league. Again, I think once they get healthy and they have three weeks to do it, um, things will start to fall in place, but uh, you know, definitely have on that calendar circle, the, the rematch on the final week in Albany. So that, that's definitely going to be a, a fun game to watch Friday night. So are looking forward to that. Um, but moving on to the second Saturday game of the weekend, it was Atlas playing the chaos. And this game was probably a little bit closer than the score indicated. The Atlas ended up finishing 16 to 10. Um, they had a nine goal run that really, you know, put them up on this chaos team, but like this chaos team, again, they don't quit. Like they're, you know, they're well-coached from Andy Towers. Like they play with a the mentality. They play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, so they never really got out of this game, even despite going down, um, you know, pretty midway through the, the game. Uh, you know, their rally kind of was sparked by a Mac O'Keefe goal. Again, he's been playing really, really well. I, I like watching him with Josh Byrne on that two-man game. Has uh, really, they've really come together, I think, the past couple of weeks. So, um, you know, the a team that, I can't really figure out like I could still see them potentially missing the playoffs, but they obviously know how to play teams. They're not really phased by whoever they play. There hasn't really been a game that um, despite even, you know, some of the, their earlier losses that they weren't really in the game until late. Like they always tend to rally, I think. And so that always gives them a chance. Again, I would like to see the defense play a little bit better. They were without Jack Rowlett, um, you know, who tends to be a little bit reckless and draw a lot of penalties, but he's still a force on that team. Um, and he was out with a broken nose due to that uh, altercation with Paul Rabel and Tyson Bell at the end of the last game. All three were fined, uh, though there was no suspensions given, so tough to see him out um, because of that. But uh, let's, you know, kind of focus on more of the positives with the Atlas, who, again, continued to look like a wagon. They, they are just playing unreal lacrosse right now. Obviously, Jeff Teet is, you know, playing at Jeff Teet caliber, but what did you see from this Atlas team that, you know, again we keep saying it are they a contender are they contender i I think the discussion is like you know who's going to stop them at this point because they just look unstoppable
3: yeah that that's done with right now you know i mean uh they're they're putting it all together the the options that uh ben rubio had this off season to make big changes he made them and it's clearly worked to up to this point in the season you know that week one um bludgeoning that they had is way behind them now. It'll be interesting to see uh, J.D. Calaruso played solid about 50% in cage for them this week. It was good to see him get his first W in the PLL. Um, We'll see how his play uh, affects them going forward, but great, great first first start victory for him um, and you know they're just putting it together in all facets you know we talked to Jake Caraway a couple of weeks ago and he talked about his connection with, with Dan Bucaro and his ability um, because uh, of the other offensive threats to, to free him up he had another two in this game so um, really strong offense kind of all around for, for this Atlas squad that looks a lot different than it did last year and you know add salt to the wound for for the chaos fans out there um, considering they drafted Jeff T in the second round last year and he went back to school, never ended up playing, uh, and now is beating them in one of the biggest games of the year.
2: Yeah, that's got to be uh, you know tough for Chaos fans to see. You know, n- nothing you can do about that, but uh, yeah, what could have been with this Jeff Teat uh, being on the Chaos, we'll, we'll only ha- be able to speculate. But uh, yeah, and Teat and, and Cockerton's chemistry. You know, we talked yeah. about the Burn O'Keefe two man game. I mean, Cockerton Teat's two man game is like they, they are on the same wavelength, like they they, i know they played a little bit together in team canada but uh you know like they still didn't have that much time to gel on the atlas and they have not missed a beat like once they have had immediate chemistry um tete just knows where everyone is on the field at all times which is amazing too because this offense doesn't stand still they, they a constant motion um you know he's finding you know caraway on the back door um he's finding eric law you know you know he's doing the two-man game with Cochran Cochran setting picks for him like Cochran had a a pick on Teat, and it was just enough for Teat to kind of get back to the, you know, middle of the field and, uh, and put one past blaze. And, and, you know, blaze played well too, to his credit again, like blaze continues to keep chaos in the game, which I think is important. And I think he makes this defense look a lot better than they actually are. Um, You know, he ended up finishing with a 55% save percentage, which is actually low by his standards, but another 18 save game by blaze. And as long as he's in cage, Chaos will always have a shot in my mind. Yep. Um, they, they've shown that they can put up points on offense. Josh Byrne is doing it all over the field too. You know, he can dodge, score off, you know, cutting. He can feed. Um, he He's also scoring all over the field. Um, nice to see Chase Frazier, you know, D3 product, kind of get involved too with this Chaos team. Um, but overall, you know, I, this Atlas team is too high powered. You know, Romar Dennis continues to be lethal on the run. We know that he hasn't been the best, you know, shooter from the field in past seasons, he has put that to bed this year. Uh, he is just almost automatic on the run; like he's just unstoppable. He just murders the corner every time he shoots the ball. It's unreal. Um, and Brian Costabile just continues to dominate all facets. I love you know. Got to give some love to Danny Logan too, who you know, going into the draft didn't look like to be maybe the top short stick defensive midi on the board, and he's been proven that he is probably the best short stick defensive midi in this league, maybe not just as a rookie, but overall, you know, you can put him up there with both Tara Fanko and um, Zach Goodrich as, you know, the top short stick defensive middies. And, you know, obviously a little bit of love for Matt Abbott as well, but um, you know, uh, there's a lot of good short stick defensive middies in this league and Danny Logan, Logan is as good as any of them. So credit to this Atlas team that, you know, has really played really, really well since that, you know, opening loss against the archers, um and i i think too give credit to the redwoods who we thought they kind of laid an egg against this atlas team in in week 2 um you know we mentioned the redwoods in the previous game like they have a tough schedule and the redwoods have been playing teams really really well yeah. um same thing you can say about the atlas like that that redwoods atlas game could be the rematch between them could be the championship game easily you know these teams are are looking that dominant right now but um yeah great win overall for coach rubio's squad um, and that brings us to the water dogs chrome game that the chrome you know after getting those two big wins against the archers and whip snakes dropped a game uh you know in their d- double header um, and they had you know a game against the water dogs that was probably a must win for both teams at this point obviously the water dogs feeling pretty good about that friday night victory but uh you know this this league anything can go anywhere and you can't not only do you have to win, you have to win, you know, pretty handedly to kind of make some ground in the standings. Um, So what did you see from this water dogs Chrome game that, you know, the water dogs again, got off to a hot start and kind of never looked back Um, a lot of the same stuff we saw from Friday, but uh, anything in particular that stood out to you in in this one?
3: Yeah, it was really a a rinse repeat. If you think about it, 10 more players scored in this one for the water dogs, Jake Weathers had another strong day at the stripe and ward, didn't have to do too much. He had nine saves, but was at a 60% clip. So they had a really strong performance um, kind of from everywhere again. In the second quarter, they had the same amount of goals that the Chrome did the entire game with six. So they, they played really well, outscored the Chrome 5-0 uh, in the third quarter. So just a, a really strong performance from a, from a dog squad that, that's peaking at the right time, as we talked about. Mikey Schlosser uh, had a Hattie in this one. Uh, he's been one of the most fun players to watch this season. Uh, he put some, some guys on turnstiles uh, in this one with, with some really awesome goals. So uh, they're gelling right now. They're really gelling. They're really coming together at the right time. And um, that bodes well for dog fans.
2: Yeah. Now and courier again, had a, another great game. He finishes with uh, just two assists, you know, in this one, but you know six ground balls uh, no current cause turnovers this time around so a little bit quiet by his standards but he's still just doing a lot between the lines um as well as on offense and you know he, he's always going to play well on defense as well and uh you know but I, I think coach copeland was really happy with this offense um you know in both their games so let's hear from him after the game
0: coach one of the few teams to come into a doubleheader weekend and come out with two w's what do you think that says about this team
2: yeah, it's happened twice now. I
1: mean, those are our four wins. I think it just speaks to the to the character of the guys in the locker room, and uh, you know they were able to carry some some momentum from a nice win on Friday into today. And look, I give that Chrome team a ton of credit. They've been they've been snake bitten here and there with with some injuries, but I thought once we settled in and kind of figured them out a little bit, uh, I, I was just really proud of our guys. Uh, proud of our guys kind of being able to. To uh, to play pretty well there during the middle stanza, and then at the end, honestly, it was just just hold on for dear life. They did not slide to us at all, and I thought it took us a little bit to kind of get get used to that. We we, you know, kind of up until today, it probably had a little bit of an easier time just drawing slides and kickstarting the offense. So they uh, they challenged our one on one matchups, and I thought once we really bared down and dodged. Uh, as assertively as we needed to you know then all of a sudden some things started opening up for us and I mean look again I'm not you know I'm not delusional here I mean I think Haas going down for them uh, you know kind of opened up some other opportunities for us so you know a little bit of that was kind of their their misfortune I guess ended up being a being a positive for us.
2: So obviously coach Copeland credits the assertiveness of this offense for their big weekend. Um, they, all four of their wins have come in weekends that they had to play back to back games. So um, obviously the short rest hasn't really phased them. Um, anything from the Chrome that kind of concerns you again, they only put up six points. Um, they've looked really good in some games, you know, obviously taking the archers, um, you know, down in that one goal game and then obviously beating the, the whips as well. Um, you know, in a dominant performance, a few weeks ago but they're still kind of you know struggling for their lives right now again injuries have not been kind to them uh will haas was also kind of banged up so that that's obviously doesn't bode well for this chrome team but um i don't know do you do you think that they're in trouble now i mean it's it's kind of do or die from them they've they've shown they can beat the best but they got to string some wins together so i don't know any any thoughts on this chrome team
3: yeah, they have to absolutely be able to string a few t- dubs together. And, I mean, Jordan McIntosh had, had a goal and had four goals in this one and played really well. But that injury bug is just too tough, I think, to overcome when you're missing two best players, five, six players overall. I mean, when you're missing Stotts, who never suited up for him, obviously, but Jordan Wolf, who's out for the season, Bernhardt, uh, JT Giles-Harris, Will Hoska be out for a while. It's just It's just a lot that's piling up. Uh, I don't think uh, while injuries are definitely a thing for a lot of other squads, they have been hit by that bug the most. So it'll be tough to see uh, if anyone uh, can rally a squad uh, to overcome that. It's coach pseudo. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly think it's possible. I mean, they still have the talent you saw. Colin hecock go off a little while ago. Jackson morals having a fantastic season. They have the pieces still there. Uh, and if a guy like gutty can really, uh, kind of pick it up and, and get on the score sheet. I think they have a, a certainly a chance to still make the playoffs, but uh, it's just going to take uh, a, a connective group to do it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and no, no easy stretch. They play Atlas and Chaos um, in the next regular season weekend back to back, and then they finish with the Cannons, which could be a game to determine you know that last spot in the playoffs. We'll certainly be watching that. But, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to see this Chrome team struggle so much, um, especially because they've shown glimpses of brilliance. But um, they're definitely going to have to turn around quickly if they're going to, you know, make the playoffs. Moving on to the Cannons, who I just mentioned, obviously uh, a game that you just want to kind of throw away on Friday um, and never talk about again. Um, they come out against this Archers team. Um, with something to prove, and I think you know they, they knew this was a playoff game for them. Their backs were against the wall, um, and Lyle, you know, he performed. You know, he had been quiet the past couple games. He came out, five goals, four assists, um, and was just all over the field making plays. Um, it, it, you know, it was a Lyle Thompson-esque performance by him. So let's hear what he had to
5: say after the post game. I mean, I, I think today had a lot to do with what happened on Friday. Um, you know, a beating like that was is definitely a good way. You have to be optimistic. So it was a good wake up time, wake up call. It had to happen, and um, we came together as a team. We had to have conversations we haven't had all season, um, which is which is for the good. We're this is playoffs. The rest of the season for us, we're treating it like playoffs. We have it's do or die playoff games, in order for us to actually make the playoffs. So um, that's how we're we're treating these games, and we know we have the right unit. We know we have the right team. It's just a matter of putting together these one-goal games. We've been in three of them, four of them now. And, um, you know, fortunately tonight we, we came out with the, with the win and, and hopefully having the experience from the other, those other one-goal games um, is prepping us for, for this playoff, playoff atmosphere. So we just know we got a, we got a tough, gritty team. That's who we are, and we've come to accept it. So obviously, you know, he talked about that playoff mentality that they kind of
0: took
2: into this game, uh, knowing that they needed to win. Five other teams could have clinched, as we mentioned, had they lost in this game. They keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, and, you know, they, they, I won't say they have an easy road ahead, but, you know, we mentioned they're going to finish up with that Chrome game. They have to play the Atlas again, um, but they did take the Atlas, uh, you know, pretty close down to the wire in their previous matchup. So, you know, it's doable right now. They can still make the playoffs. Um, again, I think I'm going to have to see a little bit more from the faceoff stripe, but I saw enough that led me to believe that they could turn it around because Reisman went 16 for 28. Um, obviously, he's going against Gaffney, a rookie, tough spot to have uh you know gaffney go as a rookie um but i thought gaffney played you know decent against the cannon's face-off unit that has really been a revolving door but you got to give credit to reesman um and he really didn't get too much help actually from his wing play too um there were some times the archers were all over him after the clamp um even towards the end of the game coach cork had that clutch timeout, uh you know when they won the face-off following going up 13 to 12 and uh they ended up you know turning it over and giving back to the archers for some you know last minute uh, of chances but uh that was a pretty big timeout by Coach Quirk to save the possession because Reisman won the clamp and was immediately met by some archer poles. So, um, you know, credit to him, especially not, not easy, you know, starting back-to-back games, um, you know, your first time as a starter in this league. So, uh, you know, a lot of credit to him, and he obviously helped them win that MLO championship last year. So Coach Quirk knew what he was getting when he traded for him. But um, I think the story of the day was Lyle against Hasek, Um, just, you know, again, put up nine points and had a natural hat-trick. Hasek obviously is one of the best defenders in this league and, and Lyle really, you know, took it to him. So what did you see from this Cans offense?
3: Yeah. Not only did Lyle uh, put on a strong performance, but uh, Shane Jackson had multiple points for the second game in a row. Steven Rafis, obviously, if it wasn't for a couple other rookies would be uh, up there for, for rookie of the year and Rabel got on the board as well. I mean, I know you you want to talk about the offense, but we got to talk about Nick Morocco's saves at the end of the game to win this one uh, mm-hmm. for the Canons. They needed it, uh, and he came up absolutely massive, especially that stuff on Marcus Holman in the waning seconds of the game. Um, that wasn't the last; they got the ball, the, Archer's got the ball back, but that save really sealed the deal for for the Cannon squad. So great game by Nick Morocco in particular that that last couple seconds.
2: You know, you mentioned the Holman one and that huge one at the end, uh, with you know the waning seconds ended up still the Archers had like three seconds left still. They thought they had won the game. A few defenders thought they had already won. Um, you know, Archers inbound the ball and Schreiber almost puts one home, almost like team USA-esque yeah. of a finish. Um, but luckily it, you know, for the Cannons at least, it did not go and They come away with the victory, a much needed victory. Um, I was sweating. I had the cannons on the money line. So I was really sweating that one out towards the end. It looked like they had maybe, you know, built themselves a cushion, but, you know, there's really no safe lead against this archers offense. Um, And, you know, credit to the archers too, for coming back. Uh, We talked to coach Bates after, and, you know, despite his team dropping three straight one goal losses, um, he felt like there's a lot of positives to take away. So let's hear from him after the game.
5: I mean, at the end of this, at the end of the day, this group never quits, right? I mean, we looked at it. We just said in the locker room too. We, you know, we didn't feel like we played really well anywhere today, but we're in a position at the end of the game to, you know, we we it back and tied it. Um, so this group doesn't have any quit in it. You know, like I said before, there's there's a belief in it. You know, we have at, had every opportunity to to win these games, so. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a high character group uh, that you know we feel like we're, you know, we're 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 not exactly where we want to be, but you know we feel like we're going to keep going in the direction we want to, and and uh, you know it's three weeks off ideal at this point, not necessarily in the middle of the season, but you know we'll go back to the drawing board and uh, and come back swinging here in a couple of weeks.
2: So you here, Coach Bates, obviously, you know he talked about how this team doesn't have any quit, um, and you know he he also although he would like to be you know better in the standings and not be sitting at 500 right now. Um, he does say that, you know, sitting at three and three does allow them to be a little bit more introspective over these next three weeks with what they can adjust. And he feels like if they were, you know, five and one or four and two, they maybe wouldn't have been as a, uh, you know, looking inward as much. So they're definitely going to make the adjustments. I think they're still one of the top teams in this league. And of course, if the archers can string again, a couple of wins together, you know, they're sitting at the top of the standings, getting that top seed because they have a positive score differential of 22 right now, um, which is the best in the league, despite being in the middle of the pack in the standings at three and three. So, you know, still, still a lot of positives take away from this archers team. I also don't fault coach Bates for, you know, giving Gaffney a go over um, Stephen Kelly, because, this cans face-off unit hasn't been great. If there was ever a spot to give Gaffney a go, I think this was it. And again, I don't think he played too poorly. I think it did shift the momentum in the cans favor to have Reisman go 16 for 28, but overall I I don't hate the move by coach Bates to give Gaffney a go because Gaffney's shown that he can, you know, actually perform in this league, but you got to get his feet wet a little bit more and, If there was ever a spot to do it, it was probably against the Canaan. So, um, you know, I I don't fault him for that move. And, again, I think the Archers still have a solid defense. This defense did not play as well as they, you know, have in the past few games. But uh, still, they're they're still the best defensive unit in this league, uh, without a doubt. Um, And it just is proven by the fact that they haven't lost any blowouts in this league. You know, all three of their losses have been one-goal losses. So, in my mind, despite being middle of the standings, they're still the team to beat. We're going to have to wait to see them, you know, get that next win, uh, you know, in three weeks. Obviously, we have the All-Star Game coming up, a bye, and then they return Colorado Springs. Um, You know, we're going to talk All-Star Game a little bit, our thoughts on these All-Star rosters. Uh, But before that, in two weeks, we have women's professional lacrosse returning. After over two years of a hiatus, um, the Athletes Unlimited League is coming, and we're really excited. It's going to be not, it's going to be more packed than um, obviously a PLL weekend because these teams, there's only four teams that are going to play three games in a weekend. So certainly looking forward to that. Um, and to prepare, we have a former WPLL MVP, Marie McCool. So sit tight, hear a word from our sponsor, Anchor, and then listen to our interview with Marie.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDSE. Welcome
1: back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network.
2: We're here with Marie McCool. All-American, national champion, tour finalist, 2017 world champion, WPLL MVP, and 2019 champion, and now a member of Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse League. Marie, thanks for joining us today. How's it going?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You know, it's going well. I am actually um, in the middle of packing this week for Athletes Unlimited, leaving on Sunday. Um, So just getting ready for that. I've never packed for... (laughs) um, you know, five weeks in a hotel before. So I'm just trying to, you know, get my list together and make sure I don't forget anything.
2: No, absolutely. And obviously we're really excited about athletes unlimited coming up in a few weeks. Um, we also go, want to go back kind of when you first got into lacrosse, you grew up in Moorestown, New Jersey. Um, when did you first pick up a stick and kind of get interested in the game of lacrosse?
0: Yeah. So I, Morristown, New Jersey is a pretty, it's, it's a smaller town, um, a suburb about 15 minutes outside of Philadelphia, but it is a huge lacrosse town. Honestly, I really didn't know what lacrosse was. My parents grew up in Philadelphia, did not play lacrosse, didn't know what it was either until they moved here, but um, they had got me a lacrosse stick for Christmas when I was in third grade. And um, I went out in the backyard and played with my dad. He had a baseball mitt, because again, he didn't play lacrosse, didn't really know what it was. And we were just having a catch and I instantly fell in love with the sport um, right then and there and never put the stick down um, and continued to play.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really awesome spot. I'm from Delco. So right, right on the oh. other side of the bridge from you. So we, I know Morristown, well, we, uh, we lost the eighth grade championship to Morristown and I, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never live that down, I think. So uh, it's a, it's a good spot for sure. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about kind of after Morristown you headed to, to Chapel Hill and UNC obviously won a national championship there had a fantastic career. Talk about playing for, for Coach Lee and the Tar Heels.
0: Yeah, I mean when I was a little girl UNC was my dream school even before I started playing lacrosse because you know that female role model that I had in my life um, was Mia Hamm she was really like the only um, female athlete that I had known of and so um, UNC was a dream school because of that so. Being able to attend my dream school was incredible and to play under Jenny Levy um, was a dream come true, it was such a great experience I learned so much about not only about myself as a player but also as a person. Um, and I'm so thankful for that opportunity. I think you know when I committed to UNC they hadn't won a national championship yet. but. Um, I knew that it was a national championship caliber school and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, And so just having the opportunity to play there and win a national championship and even, you know, play in two national championship games and lose one too was a great learning experience for me. And uh, we also won three ACC championships while I was there. So it was just an incredible four years um, that I, you know, loved a lot.
3: Yeah, and yeah, obviously loved it, right? You were back this year coaching on the sidelines. Talk about kind of that experience going from a player a couple of years ago to to coach this year.
0: Yeah, um, it was kind of a spontaneous decision. Jenny called me literally like a week or two before preseason, was like, Do you want to come down and like help volunteer um, coach? And, you know, you'll be able to train with the players since everything was shut down up north because of COVID. um, I, literally didn't even have a gym to go to. And so I was just like making up workouts going on runs, but it was also January. So it was freezing out. And so, um, it was kind of a no brainer for me. And, you know, I being honest, I went down there like to train. Yeah. I I knew I I want to be a part of a successful program and I want to, um, you know, share my knowledge with the girls there because like, as an alum, I'm super proud of them and want them to do well. But at first I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to, Um, go down and and have training facilities and be able to train with Emily Paros, who's the assistant coach and also a member of Team USA. Um, But I just got super connected with the players and the coaching staff. And um, it was just such a great experience. And I learned a lot about myself. Um, I was actually talking to Jenny yesterday just about the season in review and told her that I was so thankful that she extended the offer to me because I think I learned more things about myself that I probably never would have if I didn't go down there.
2: No, that's awesome. And uh, you mentioned Team USA a little bit. Uh, You won gold in 2017 Mm -hmm. with Team USA. Uh, Talk about that feeling of representing your country and eventually, you know, making it to the pinnacle of sports.
0: Yeah. um, Well, Phil Barnes, the the assistant coach at UNC, was the one who really encouraged me to try out for the U.S. team my freshman year of college, and at that time, like, I definitely wasn't the best version of myself as a player, and I was a little confused when he told me to, but he had just mentioned that it'll be a good experience, like, no matter what try it, do it, Um, you'll be able to play with the best players in the world for one weekend, and so I did it, and I ended up making the team after that weekend, and so I think that was really a turning point in my career, um, because one thing that I really lacked my freshman year was that confidence, and I think that that's something that's really hard to gain over time, and so um, that was really the turning point, and from there on, like, I had such an incredible experience playing with players that I looked up to um, that maybe I had played against in the ACC or all the the Terp girls that were kind of like my frenemies. Um, and it, it was so fun. I think, you know, obviously being able to represent your country and play at the highest level um, possible in our sport is something that I never would have imagined at a young age. And so being able to do that was such an incredible feeling. And I hope that I'm able to do it again next summer. Um, but every time I put on the red, white, and blue, um, it's just such a, it's kind of indescribable what that feeling's like. And just knowing that there are girls and young players looking up to me and the rest of the team is something that we can consistently play for. And that really inspires us to, to, you know, be good role models for the future generations of the sport.
3: Yeah, and we can't wait to see you guys back on on the field next summer um, in Towson, right? So you'll be you'll be uh, on home soil. What, what's that experience going to be like for you?
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I think like um, you know, going to England was su- such a cool experience. I actually had never been to Europe, um, and so I was really excited to to travel to England and even seeing the turnout there from. Um, you know some of the American um, youth players was really incredible. I was like wow, there's a lot of fans here that traveled all the way across overseas to come watch this and so thinking about that and then like what the turnout's going to be in the United States is so exciting and so I'm actually really excited um for it and I think you know the exposure and visibility to Women's lacrosse has only gotten better over the past couple of years since that last World Cup. So I'm just really excited to see the turnout um, and be able to play on home soil. And fun fact the US has never won on home soil. I think they lost the last two that were here.
2: Okay. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, but we're certainly looking forward to seeing you with Team USA, but even more in the uh, immediate future is the pros. And, you know, you played for WPLL, you're drafted second overall, winning MVP your rookie season, and then you won a championship with the Brave in 2019. So let's talk about the first foray into pro lacrosse for you, and how was it making the jump to the pros?
0: Yeah, um, I will say that I had such a great time with the WPLL, and, um, you know, it was, it's an opportunity for me to continue to play the sport I love after Um, college. And so I'll forever be grateful for, for the WPLL and DJ and everyone involved in that organization. But um, I am really excited for athletes unlimited. I think that, you know, one thing that our sport really lacked was the ability to provide that exposure at this next level. I think at the collegiate level, we've been doing a great job on streaming all of the games. Um, You know, this year, I watched a lot of games on ACC network when I wasn't coaching and, Um, I think that's just awesome to also see like everything on social media too. And Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, women are being celebrated um, at the collegiate level. But I think now I'm really ready for that next step at the professional level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think athletes unlimited is providing that opportunity for us. I think, you know, this is the first major TV deal that we've had for women's lacrosse with, you know, FS1, FS2, CBS sports. And then I think, Um, other games will also be streamed on YouTube. So every game will be streamed to some capacity. And I think being able like for the opportunity for young players to watch this for free on national television, um, is incredible for our sport. So I'm really excited for that.
3: That's awesome. And talk about maybe some of your excitement to, to play with some of the players you coach. You know, there were four Tar Heels drafted uh, th- this past year by the AU. So big name, obviously, Katie Hoag went first overall. So you might be teammates with some of them this summer.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to, um, you know, play with them again. Now I coached them, but I also played with them when I was yeah. at Carolina. So um, I'm really excited to be reunited. I got a little glimpse of that at U.S. Um, a couple weeks ago where there were a ton of car heels there. So just being able to play with them again was super fun. And I'm really excited to see what they can accomplish at the next level as well.
2: No, that's certainly awesome. And uh, talk a little bit about too, like the discussion with these fellow pros uh, about AU and kind of what Athletes Unlimited Um, has provided you guys with, obviously, you know, we, we missed women's professional lacrosse last summer and the fact that it's now back is really exciting for us as fans, but um, for you guys as players, talk a little bit about how AU has really been supporting you guys as athletes.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've been super supportive. Like I said earlier, it's just such an incredible opportunity for us to display our talent on the field in front of the entire country and in front of all the young players out there. I think it's a great, you know, we had such a great year with collegiate lacrosse and, um, being able to really show all of the, the future generations of our sport, you know, what great looks like at mm-hmm. the highest level possible. Um, and I think just going into, you know, leaving, um, picking up where we left off with the collegiate, um, level going right into the professional level is going to be really, really exciting. And I think that, um, you know, we've probably, we've definitely gone gone unnoticed, especially with COVID, Um, Putting a pause on everything that I think people are going to be really surprised at the level of play and how fast paced it's going to be physical and how fun it is um, going to be to watch so I'm really excited for those reactions from everyone and I'm just really excited to be a part of it and then like, from athletes and limited standpoint on supporting us I think you know they are very big on you know hearing us out as athletes there's a player executive committee. Um, which I think is phenomenal. Um, So they can, you know, bring input from all of the athletes to um, Athletes Unlimited and and suggest maybe certain changes or other suggestions on how we can make this league, you know, what we want it to be. And I think Mm. that's so, so important for the players to be heard and something that's really special about this league.
2: No, absolutely. We're certainly looking forward to seeing you guys take the field very, very soon. Uh, we're going to move on to our five and five now. So I'll ask five lacrosse questions. And the first one I have for you, do you have any pregame superstitions or routines?
0: Um, I wouldn't say I have a um, like superstition, but I always have to have like my hair a certain way. So mm-hmm. I wear it in a bun with a headband and a little braid here. And I always wear it on game day like that. I don't wear it like that in practice, only game day
2: only game they got it awesome and then what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at and that can be throughout your entire career college pros
0: yeah so it's changed names a couple of times it's where the philadelphia union play so it was ppl park my first time it was talent energy my second time and i think it's now called like Subaru park mm-hmm. um, so, yeah yeah right in your neck of the woods yep. right
3: <laughs> yep, like 10 minutes from my parents house yeah that's, right. yeah, that you, my- that's where you won the national championship right
0: <laughs> yeah okay
2: that's awesome. Yeah. Especially, you know, to win kind of, you know, in front of probably some family and friends as well is, is pretty special. Yes. Uh, moving on to number three, what is your current stick setup up in terms of head shaft and stringing?
0: I currently have the Brine Edge Pro head, which is like my favorite um, head so far. And I have the Lax Pocket um, Flex Mesh stringing.
2: And what, what are your kind of thoughts too now that there are kind of opening up um different stringing options to the women's game. Um, you know, have, have has it kind of changed for you a little bit?
0: Yeah, I would say that the stick technology has changed tremendously over the past few years, um, which is awesome for our sport. I think mm-hmm. that, Um, you know, you're going to see faster shots. I mean, also there's a ton of players who were able to do that with like sticks that were tennis rackets. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to take that away from players in the past that have been able to do incredible things. But I think the stick technology has changed a lot over time, which is giving us, you know, more opportunity to be creative and and have fun with it.
2: Awesome. And then with Athletes Unlimited, you guys are actually on different teams each week. Um, So if you're a captain, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who's your first pick?
0: I knew you were gonna ask me that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have like three players in my head right now. <laughs> Do I you have can provide
2: to all three and then that I, way you keep can it a I secret provide if you are named Captain?
0: Okay. Yeah. My top three in no particular order. Um, I guess I would have to see like how the year is panning out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Sam Apuzo, Taylor Cummings, and Kayla Trainer.
2: Awesome. Love it. All great picks. <laughs> and then number five, if they made an Athletes Unlimited uh, women's lacrosse video game, who would you say deserves to be on the cover?
0: Oh. Goodness. Uh, I would say kilo Trainer.
2: Awesome, and yeah, really cool that she's now named the Syracuse women's head coach. Uh, looking forward to see what she does with that program. Um, Adam, I'll let you take away the off the field questions. Yep, absolutely.
3: Uh, obviously, you're on the field so much with, with coaching, training, playing. Uh, but what are some uh, activities you enjoy when you're not on the field?
0: Yeah, I am. A huge like outdoors person and I like to travel and unfortunately I haven't been able to do that that much the past year due to COVID but um, I actually spend a lot of my time in upstate New York when I'm not playing um, on the Finger Lakes and I just love walking my dog by the water and you know being on the water it's one of my favorite things.
3: Nice nothing better than that. Uh, Number two who's an athlete in another sport you really like watching right now?
0: Right now um I would say, oh, my gosh, there's so many. Um, Well, in preparation for the Olympics this summer, I will say that, like, the entire U.S. women's soccer team I love watching. Mm -hmm. I love following all of them. So, um, honestly, all of them, the U S women's soccer team. I mean, Megan, Pino you know, obviously is a big one, but I think just being able to, you know, see what they've done for women's sports in general, obviously women's soccer, but, you know, they've just been such great role models to every female athlete, you know, in the world right now. And I just really enjoy watching them.
3: Nice. I was hoping when we had you on, I'd be, be able to ask you about, uh, if, if the Sixers were going to win the championship, but that,
0: it's a really touchy subject. Yeah, you and
3: me both. You and like, me both
0: for sure. Really touchy. <laughs> uh,
3: let's go to more positive things. Uh, number three, you mentioned you like being on the Finger Lakes and going outdoors. Favorite vacation spot?
0: Um, I would say my favorite vacation spot would be. Um, I went to this island in the Bahamas called Eleuthera and it's a little bit, it's not really like a commercialized area. So um, just being able to be around like all of the locals and learn about their culture and just kind of go on hikes and stuff was really beautiful. And I love, that was probably my favorite place that I've been to so far.
3: Awesome. Uh, Number four, favorite meal. And do you prefer to dine out, take out or cook at home?
0: (laughs) I'm a huge foodie. Like if you asked people, uh sorry, I know I'm making these answers really long, but if You're you there? ask people like what do you what do we need to know about Marie Like, I think food would probably be the first thing that's in your mind. So, like my friends. Um, so my favorite meal is um El Pastor tacos with refried beans and rice on side. Um, and I would say I prefer eating in and cooking myself only because that's like the healthiest option for me um and in order to perform at the highest level I need to make sure that I'm eating well-balanced meals but like I do love a good meal out like I love going out to eat I always go out to eat on the weekends
3: it's awesome my last off the field question uh anything that you're binging right now whether it's like a podcast uh tv series any movies you'd recommend right now
0: yeah, I'm actually binging the Formula One Netflix um, okay. documentary. Uh, I became a big Lewis Hamilton fan uh, like a couple of months ago because F1 was just on, and I started watching it. And um, I guess I'm a bandwagon fan because obviously I picked Lewis Hamilton, but uh, mm. now I'm watching that documentary, so it's really cool to be able to see. The different personalities because I only watch them compete on the track. So um, it's really fun to watch.
2: I've been meaning to watch that. My uh, father in law actually watched that recently and he said it was really good. I'm not too big into Formula One, but I heard the documentaries. Uh pretty good so i'll have to check that out
3: it's it's um, wild like i can't imagine i like i'm going like 70 on the jersey turnpike and i'm like oh this is i don't know <laughs> they're going so fast
0: right like i was watching a couple weeks ago and for stopping like the top guy in the world right now crashed going like 200 and like was completely fine i'm like that is the scariest thing ever yeah you get back in the um, car after
3: that I, I think i was watching that he like he like lost control right and just like went straight into like a bunch of water barrels yes. was i was watching that that was nuts
0: yes and then hamilton had an opportunity to like jump ahead of him in the points but his yeah. brakes like he messed up his brakes and didn't uh lost his yeah. spot so that was a crazy race <laughs> yeah wow
2: um but yeah that wraps up our five and five our final question we like to ask every guest is what is some advice you have for a young lacrosse player looking to play professionally one day
0: yeah um oh my gosh there's like so many pieces of advice but when I think of like the main one that I always um say when I end like camps and clinics and stuff is to control what you can control and be comfortable being uncomfortable that was something that Jenny Levy always said to us and I think it's just so powerful I think um you know I cannot stress enough you know how much people at the highest level whether they're the best players in the world or um you know, still at the high school level, like everybody makes mistakes and that's okay. And the only way you're going to get better is if you take those risks and you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, because if you don't do that, then you're not going to improve on certain things that you, you know, need to improve on as an individual and as a player. And then I think controlling what you can control, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are out of your control and how you respond to those um, events or things that happen. um, That's something that you can control. And that's something that's going to help you in your lacrosse career. And so um, those are the main things that I would say.
2: No, I think that's some great advice for our young listeners. And we certainly appreciate you hopping on. We're looking forward to seeing you compete with the rest of these athletes and athletes unlimited um, and best of luck training for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
2: So we really appreciate Marie coming on the podcast Uh, We can't wait to see her and the rest of the AU suit up on July 23rd. Certainly looking forward to that. But now, Adam, let's dive into our all-star game thoughts. The all-star game is coming up. You're going to have the adversaries led by Grant Amitt taking on the defenders led by Blaze Reardon. And and you can see those full rosters on the PLL website. Um, But me and you kind of, we put in our ballots. Um, We didn't discuss them last episode. We'll kind of go back and discuss, you know, who we think. Uh, Overall, I didn't think the all-star selections were too egregious. Like I I thought a lot of people that are starters deserve to be stars. There's a few that I honestly wouldn't even put on the reserves, but um, you know, anything, anybody that wasn't named a star wasn't voted by a star by the fans. And, you know, that's kind of what you're going to get with fan voting. It's sometimes a popularity contest, most likely made the reserve roster because players voted as well. And any players that were not named stars by the fans made it on the reserve roster based on the player voting. So, you know, Again, I would have liked to see maybe a few different starters, but overall the people that should have been all-stars mostly deserve to be all-stars. Um, my ballot was at attack was Grant Amit Will Manny, uh, Rob Pinnell, Zed Williams, Lyle Thompson. And then I had Jackson Morrill in there too, based on, you know, his performance in the first four weeks of the season. Um, at midfield, I had Schreiber, Costabile, Rabel, Connor Kelly, and Zach Courier, as well as Michael Earhart. Again, we'll get into the fact that there is no short six defensive mid or LSM slot, which kind of made things a little difficult when choosing midfielders. And then I had Matt Dunn, Eddie Glazner, Brody Merrill, Michael Rex Road, Graham Hasek, and Matt McMahon for defense. Um, at faceoff, I had Joe Nardella and TD, and that goalie I had Blaze and Gittleman. Adam, who did you have on your all-star ballot?
3: Yeah, I mean, we were pretty close comparatively. I had a couple switches. I had Jeff T in there for Jackson Morrill. Uh, I had... Um, Tucker Durkin in there for Matt McMahon. And then my last one, I had Kyle Harrison in there for Connor Kelly. It's his last ride. Let him go. Like give the people what they want. They want Kyle Harrison on the field for his final all-star game. Let's make it happen, man.
2: I am excited to see Kyle Harrison in the all-star game. Do I think he deserves to be an all-star? No. And my thing with that is, you know, when we talk about players' resumes, and you, specifically Kyle Harrison, you say nine-time all-star and, it's fine if all all-star game is supposed to be fun and you want, you know, some of the the older veterans in it. Like, again, I'm not going to complain that I, the fact that I get to watch Kyle Harrison in another all-star game, but there's other more deserving players that have had better seasons than him. And that's where it kind of is frustrating to me because we rank people players based on how many all-star appearances they have their resumes and stuff. So to me, it's like, it's disingenuous to give it to Kyle Harrison when there's other more deserving players that, had had better seasons so far. So again, am I going to complain seeing K-18 suit up, you know, for this all-star game? No, but um, should he have made the all-star roster? No, I don't think he should have. I wouldn't I mean, have had if, him on my reserve. We're, we're
3: not, this one all-star game is not going to change the the course of history when it comes to what we think of Kyle Harrison. And if it really changes the course of history for one player, if he goes from one all-star game to two all-star games. I don't think it's that big of a difference, to be honest with you. And, this is the last time I'll ever be able to vote for Kyle Harrison in an all-star game. I had to do it, man. I had to do it.
2: I, I know. I just, I, again, like you want to, you got to give credit to these players, you know, for what they've accomplished so far again. Um, you know, I really tried to look at, you know, the first four weeks of the season, how these players had been doing. Um, and, you know, that's why I, you know, I, I voted for Blaise and Gittleman. You got Blaise and Troutner are the all-star game starters, um, you know, again, Troutner showed that he is an all-star caliber goalie this past weekend. Um, I, I, still think, you know, Gittleman, Blaze, and Galloway have played a little bit better than he has down the stretch, but, um, uh, I got to give some honorable mentions too, to the Danny Logan, Jake Carraway. And I mentioned Jeff Teat as well. They were all kind of like on my honorable mention. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to find Danny a spot for Danny Logan in there. Cause I think he has been one of the best short stick defensive middies, but it stinks that they don't have a short stick defensive mini slot. And they don't have an LSM slot either. So it was weird for me voting Michael Earhart as a midfielder when I feel like a lot of those polls should have either been slotted in that defense or had their own separate category. So I'd like to see the league maybe change that going forward. You know, we want to give some love to some short stick defensive middies, but um, it was hard for me to justify you know, short stick defensive midi over any of these offensive players. There's a lot of offensive players I left off my midfield list as well. So um, I would like to see them change that in the future. Maybe, you know, one or two slots. You can make it, you know, defensive midfield slot where people could vote for a short stick defensive midi or an LSM if you want to do it that way. You could make them separate. Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways they could do it. But I think that would be going forward the best way to, you know, honor these more, you know, specialized position groups. Um, so overall that's, uh, that, those are my thoughts on, on that, but, um, Adam, any final thoughts though on this all-star game, what are you looking forward to the most, I guess, from either the skills competition or the all-star game?
3: Yeah, I'm just really excited to, to see the boys get out there and play, you know, a lot of times in all-star games, we don't see, um, a, a great competition, but we saw a really awesome one in year one with the all-star game. And I'm excited to see some of the best out there come together and, and put on an awesome performance.
2: Yeah, and I'm actually going to get a little superficial. I'm looking forward to seeing what these jerseys look like. Last year, uh, you know, in 2019, we had the tie-dye jerseys. Uh, I'm interested to see what they go with, um, you know, in this 2021 All-Star game. Uh, I always think it's cool to see what different jerseys they roll out. Um, I know I've pitched that they should have – MLL throwbacks be the jerseys um I don't think they're going to do that this year but I think that would kind of be cool if yeah. they had a you know a little bit of some homage to uh the, the MLO days but um yeah looking forward to this all-star game will be a nice little break especially for these players uh, allow them you know the ones that aren't healthy to kind of rest up and get healthy but uh we are definitely still anxious to get some live regular season lacrosse too but Looking forward to this all-star game in San Jose. We appreciate you guys listening. If you guys enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. And uh, make sure to, you know again, leave those ratings, leave some comments, let us know what you thought, um, and make sure you guys are listening to Bet on Lacrosse as well for all your betting info. Um, Obviously, a big weekend for us in the betting sphere as well. So that episode comes out every Wednesday. But we appreciate you guys listening, and we appreciate you tuning in every week to Pro Lacrosse Talk.